and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 113. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Leland Holcomb. Happy to be here, Kip. Feeling very positive about today's episode. As you should be, because today we're going to be talking about the assumptions we have of positive people. So to explain to the audience who may not know you, and for those who do, I think they'll understand, you have a reputation of being a very positive person. And I wanted to discuss this with you because I think we tend to simplify positive people in our lives and reduce them as being singular in their characteristics and their aspects and having basic behaviors and perceptions and emotions. And I don't think those assumptions are fair or accurate. And I'd like you to begin with an anecdote that you shared with me in which you had a very similar experience with positivity as a trait of yours. Yeah, one of my favorite stories, I guess, regarding positivity has to do with a friend of mine. When I first met her, she had heard that I was a pretty positive guy. And having grown up in New York City, she readily assumed that I was stupid because I was a naturally nice and positive guy. I'm sorry I didn't break any of those assumptions for her, but I found it really interesting because that's what made me think about, first of all, myself as a positive guy. It's not something I really think about at all. It's just sort of who I am. But it also made me think about some of the cultural assumptions that are behind positivity. Where I'm from, it is sort of assumed that you're going to be very nice and upbeat and positive around some people, whereas in other places it might be assumed that when you do that, it's because you're naive or not really that smart a guy. (laughs) So uh, I found that to be really enlightening for me to learn that from her. And I'm fascinated when you say that you weren't really aware of it because it came naturally. In talking about assumptions, did you have assumptions about positivity as a quality that affected your obliviousness to it as a personal quality of yours? Well, I think one of the assumptions about positivity is that it's always rainbows and butterflies. That's what it means to be positive or optimistic. But one of the things I think that positivity really is, is it's just a belief that things and people are generally good. And it's something that I've just always subscribed to naturally, mostly because I don't really want to live in a world where that's not the case. And the easiest way to do that is just by making my world as much that way as I can. But as far as positivity in others, one of my favorite examples of this in a TV show was Parks and Rec. They had a politician on the show, and he was one of my favorite characters that I've seen on that show, although I love most of them. Because the second you turned a camera on in front of him, he brightened up and was suddenly speaking about how great Pawnee is and how optimistic he was for the future of Pawnee. But the second they turned off the camera, he just sat there staring dead ahead, almost motionless. And so it was making the joke that when you're positive, there's really nothing up there in your mind going on. You must be really letting everything go and not very intelligent, which I found really, really funny because I definitely see see where that comes from. Yeah, to point back to the New York sensibility that this friend of yours noted or implied, I think we do have this conception as people, and I would argue that it is a misconception, that to be positive is a form of naivete, whereas to be negative implies wisdom and struggle and experience. And that bothers me because if we assume that experience is conflated with negativity, then people won't pursue experience because they want to be positive. And I think that's a natural state and a state we all aspire to enjoy and to indulge in frequently. And so I think our assumptions about positive people are one thing, but our assumptions about life as it relates to positivity can also hamper our ability to be positive. And I wonder to what extent you think 
positivity is a personal choice of how we perceive our environment and our encounters in life, or if you think that the environments we are in shape our positivity and negativity as a very simplistic spectrum and that we don't have control over how positive or negative we will ultimately be as people. You're asking me the nature versus nurture question, essentially, Kip. And I think it really is both. Positivity takes a lot of energy from a person, regardless of your environment. It takes the ability to look at actions and events, both good and bad, as if they're going to be leading you to a more beneficial future. But environment also does play a role. Some environments make it more difficult to be positive, where you're constantly suffering from various negative events or experiences that will lead you to believe that all is bad. And I definitely think that it is a self-fulfilling prophecy, a lack of positivity at least, that when you feel like nothing's going your way, things keep going badly for you. But if you start believing more positively, it will reinforce itself and become a more strong influence. So I think it definitely is personal and it takes a lot of energy from the person, but it is also a function of your environment because some environments make it difficult, if not impossible, to be positive. And I also think a lot of positivity is learned. So it's something that you derive from your environment. I like that you point that out because I feel that one reason some people are so hesitant and judgmental towards positive people is because we find an inherent frustration with what they have learned to accomplish and to practice on a daily level. We envy them, and I say we generalizing, of course, to presume that if I see you enjoying great positivity and a positive philosophy, I'm kicking myself because I wonder why I don't enjoy the positivity that seems to come so naturally to you and what I haven't learned along the way that you have or what lessons I interpreted incorrectly where you were able to interpret them and derive a valuable lesson which encouraged positive behavior. Another thing I'd like to point out is that I think one thing that can be unsettling about positivity for people or an assumption that can be made about it is that Positive people are, in a lot of ways, harder to read than negative people. Standard game theory teaches us that people follow their self-interest exclusively. And from something like that, you would infer that they would have no expectations for other people's benefit. But when someone's positive, I'd say it's more rare than negativity, especially today. I look around at Wall Street. I look around at people in regards to politics. And all I see is negativity, at least in the media. I think there are normal people who are still positive as well. But when you look around and you see all those things, when you see somebody who's positive, you might just think they're crazy. How could they be overlooking all the things that they're seeing? Or worse still, how could they be internalizing what they're seeing and still remain positive? Definitely. And we tend to simplify positive people as those who are ignorant of their environment and therefore lacking the facts where the negative, conversely, are those who might be more downtrodden or bitter, but are very aware. And we prefer that, I think, on an evolutionary and survival level, that we follow the negative leaders because they aren't holding anything back from us. They're telling us the truth and honesty and negativity are conflated, where I think honesty and positivity can just as easily be combined with one another. And either faction, again, to simplify how human beings behave and perceive their environments, can be incredibly infectious. And so as a positive person, I'm curious to hear if you've experienced the contagious aspects of your or other people's positivity. 
First of all, I'm really enjoying the fact that I get to be ambassador for the positive. This is a new high for me. It's wonderful. (laughs) But I would definitely say that it can be really infectious. I think one other thing I'd like to kind of combat is the notion that if you are positive, you also only admit to or focus on good things. I think one sign of intellect in a positive person is the fact that they will admit and display those negative experiences that they've seen or that they understand, but show them in a light that is more positive and more beneficial and lead people in the direction of better rather than lamenting the fact that bad has happened. And I think that can be really difficult, but it can also be really exciting and easy to join in on. I see this in the form of religion sometimes, where you are willing to sort of, with the help of others and with the help of God, let things go. And I think that for people is really, really healing because it allows them to be more positive about their life when bad things happen, especially. I think that's really key that you bring that up. And letting things go, living in the present are essential to being a positive person. And I'd also like to talk about the idea of privilege as it relates to being positive. I know you and I have enjoyed, respectively, of course, and in different ways, privileged lives. And I think a lot of people, especially those who prefer or tend towards negativity, will argue that positivity is reserved for those who have it all and who are enjoying safety and comfort and affection all around them. And I'd like to know to what extent you think that presumption limits those who are not as fortunate in ways that you and I and various others might be. I think affluence may play a role in it, but from what I've seen, I think positivity is actually quite divorced from your current economic situation. I think what it's more about is your presumption for the future. So you can be in pretty dire straits, but the difference is whether or not you believe that things can get better. And so I believe that positivity can be achieved by anybody, regardless of economic status, so long as they perceive that they have a chance for better, or that the world will be improving, or that they have a voice, things of that nature. I think we've seen a lot of people, especially in America, in fact, the American dream sort of plays back to this. We've seen many people who have come up from nothing, where their economic situation may be dire, but it's that belief in themselves, belief in better, that positivity. And the belief that they can succeed if they work hard, that drives people. And I think that drives people of all economic statuses. What is your assumption about positivity in your life and how it makes other people interpret the actions that you make and the person that you are? I think that's a really important question to ask. And I hope other people ask it of themselves as well. I know I tend to overthink a lot of things. And I know that a number of people around me Don't perceive my happiness when I perceive it, which is a whole can of worms that I can't get into here because I don't fully understand it. But I'm not always as expressive as people would like, which is really difficult because I find a lot of positivity in words and various expressions with which people may not identify. And that becomes very tricky when you feel as though you've encouraged someone, but they don't feel that way. Or in the moments I feel positivity isn't essential, where I need to take a step back and feel whatever emotion it currently is and allow it to exist in the space that I've provided for it, whether it's positive, negative, or something in between. And in younger years, when I was more positive, probably as a result of innocence or simply ignorance, perhaps, positivity to me felt like a duty that I could provide and should provide to the people around me because I recognized 
that it is infectious and can have such a huge and, to be redundant, positive impact on the people around me and the people around anyone who's positive that I felt compelled to. And that's a dangerous trap to fall into because as soon as you feel that your positivity is an obligation, it no longer becomes positivity to a degree because it isn't as carefree or as organic. And so that might have been, as vague as it sounds, a turning point for me. I think over time, I fell away from that because I did feel obligated to be happy. And that's when you lose touch with happiness and positivity. And I don't know that we've described positivity as happiness yet, but I think the concepts are often aligned with one another. And so I think to me, especially as I've learned more about the world in college and in various educational settings, many of which are outside of the classroom, I've felt that my positivity should be informed by knowledge and information. And if I'm excited or happy about something, It's because there's ample evidence or reasons behind that positivity, which to me feels a bit more genuine coming back to our assumption that positive people are disingenuous. But as I've tried to be more open-minded, I've recognized that there are many breeds of positivity, and that's one of the most beautiful things about it, that many people speak different languages of positivity. And I would challenge the audience to recognize different forms of positivity, especially for poor souls like me who don't know or don't feel as natural expressing positivity in the colloquial or familiar ways. And so before we close the episode, I would love to know what you'd like the audience to think about after hearing this conversation. I think that it's important when thinking about positivity or discussing positivity to remember that we often assume positivity to be equated directly with happiness, which is to say that it's a trait, a human trait. Somebody is positive. But I'd like to combat that, not because that's incorrect, because I do think there are people who are naturally more positive, but because I think that positivity is really more of a state of mind. Because to have it, it must be desired by the person, and it has to be practiced. It's not something that comes naturally to everybody. And to the ones that it does come naturally to, I believe it's because they've practiced it for a long time. We also often need to reinforce positivity because we'll often be surrounded by things like negativity that at least I see to be rampant in this world that we live in sometimes. And so I definitely think that positivity needs to be reinforced. And I also think one other assumption is that when looking at positivity as a trait of a person, you can be led to believe that positivity is easy. I don't think it is. I think it's far more difficult than pessimism is, for instance. And I think that's because it requires context and it requires an understanding that things are complex and not every bad thing is going to mean more bad things. And not every good thing is going to mean more good things. But it's an understanding that if you desire to be better and to be happier and to do things more positively, you must work hard for that and You must work hard to make others feel that positivity as well. Absolutely. And I'd like the audience to think about the peculiar circumstances of reducing positive individuals in our lives down to the simplistic quality of being positive. Because as I hope our conversation has indicated, people are always complex and we tend to remove or ignore that complexity when thinking about positivity and negativity. I'd also like people to think about the contagiousness in social settings of positivity and negativity. And please forgive our redundant vocabulary as with other similar conversations we've had. And Leland, of course, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on. It was great to have you. Awesome to be here. Thanks, Kip. Of course. 
But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, comments, opinions, or anything you'd like to share, we'd love it if you connected with us. And you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes or other links. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider reviewing and subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend that you think might also enjoy this conversation. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.